What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome back, podcast friends and family. I truly am so honored to bring a guest on today who embodies the totality of mind, body, and spirit so well and so comprehensively. Sarah Dion works as a mind, body, spirit mentor for the high-performing woman. And her work began 25 years ago as a spiritual seeker. After 12 years in the world of mental health and psychotherapy, 15 years of yoga practice, and a lifetime of self-exploration and healing, she stepped out of mainstream practice and into the entrepreneurial world. Through all of those years and her work as an entrepreneur, she now puts it all together for the incredible and powerful women she mentors. Sarah and I had a really great and deep conversation, kind of one of those that maybe you don't want to put on one and a half time on your device or app that you're using to listen to this. It might require you to even slow it down or take some notes. Just really great insights, and I'm excited to bring you Sarah. All right. I am so excited to have Sarah Dion with me here today. We connected over social media, over LinkedIn, and then had a um, just sort of offline meeting, and I really enjoyed learning more about her work, really enjoyed her perspective on life. We've both kind of been on a spiritual journey, obviously with just different details, but I, she's, um, a really special soul and I'm really happy you're here with us today, Sarah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was yeah. such a nice greeting. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, you know, the, the podcast is all centered around mind, body, and spirit, and you really, encompass all three, which is fantastic. So let's, before we dive into sort of your journey and the work that you do, let's start with the question I ask all of my guests, which is what does true wellness mean to you? Um, True wellness means to me that all aspects of the self are being acknowledged and honored. Um, And what I mean by that is that we are paying attention to how our mind is doing, you know, our thoughts, and um, how our mind might be affecting our body. And, you know, uh, is our, our thoughts really focused on um, our body being not good enough or doesn't meet up to par and that really can affect our body's well-being. Um, and all paying attention to our body's well-being in the sense that we're keeping an eye on nutrition and exercising when we can. Um, but I will, I will say something about that again in a second, but really um, allowing our body to have what it needs, including a little, plenty of sleep, <laughs> which is something that um, so often uh, is overlooked, uh, but our bodies really require, um, you know, obviously according to your individual needs. And then spirit um, is something that is so often overlooked. And I've been in the mental health community for a very long time. And it is something that is 
very often not addressed. And if it is addressed, it's addressed in like one sentence. <laughs> and we have these papers like um, to fill out and it's this one sentence, uh, what is your religion or what is your spiritual practice? And that's it. Um, but spirituality to me goes far, far deeper into you know our daily rituals, which are very personal and individual. It could simply be like reading a meditation or reading something that's uplifting to you, lifting to up, listening to uplifting music, allowing ourselves to feel inspired and creative. Um, it doesn't always have to be connecting with something that uh, we identify as greater than ourselves. It's not always about that. Um, and getting into nature when we can, connecting to Mother Earth. Um, allowing ourselves to feel a part of, a part of a community. All of that is very, very spiritual. Um, and so all of those things being addressed is uh, true wellness, um, holistic wellness. And I wanted to go back uh, to what I was saying about exercise, um, you know, getting as much exercise as we can or watching our nutrition. Another huge part of true wellness for me is compassion and having compassion for exactly where we are and not uh, judging ourselves if we can't do things just right, can't be just perfect, because none of us ever will be. And if we don't practice compassion, we just lead ourselves down a path of constant internal stress and anxiety. And that does nothing but affect um, our mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. So having a very strong practice of compassion to me, it's a huge part of true wellness. Mm, I love that. So beautifully said. And I love the beginning of that, which was all aspects of self are being acknowledged and honored. And I think that's a really huge insight and takeaway. And of course I'm huge on sleep. So I will reiterate that. I've said that many times in this podcast, I am a huge fan and advocate of sleep and also self-compassion. So thank you for that beautiful um, insight into what trueness, true wellness means to you. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's go into your background. So let's talk a little bit about, and I know that this can always be, I feel like this question is always even more difficult for those who um, are like on a spiritual path, because it's like, how yeah. do I, how do I encapsulate my roles and make them, make them meaningful and not just titles. And so I, I totally get that. Let me just acknowledge that from the beginning. It's hard to yeah. encapsulate this, but I would just love to maybe just dive into your journey of, you know, personal professional and kind of what's led you to the work you do today. Okay. Yes. The very long story. So I'm going to make that as concise as possible. Um, so I would say that my journey began, began as a child, um, when I went through, um, some pretty difficult traumas and, uh, as I grew, um, I always had a seeking, uh, within me, a seeking of something larger than myself, of God. Um, I went to Catholic schools, um, and that, that wasn't great for me simply because um, I was so sensitive to the idea of God and um, was very fearful of a vengeful God. And I'm not saying that that's every Christian or Catholic perspective, but that's how I interpreted it. And so that was really difficult for me and led me um, into a very deep path of, of a lot of anxiety and depression and fear. Um, and so as I grew, um, I really started my spiritual journey when I was 19. Um, and I did dive into uh, a, a Baptist uh, faith at that time. And as I explored that, I be began to have more and more interest in, um, you know, the spiritual side of things. 
uh, I was very hard on myself uh, mentally and physically. I, I suffered with an eating disorder for a long time um, and was very unforgiving of my body, of course. And um, I was also uh, a runner. So I was always like forcing my body and my mind to, um, to work far too hard uh, and to be overstressed, overstimulated. Um, and that went on for a long time. And uh, when I was 25, I, um, I was actually living in Japan at the time. And uh, I finally was willing to confront my eating disorder. And I did that by coming back to the United States and going to treatment in Florida. Uh, and that started me down the path of yoga because when I got there, I was introduced to yoga for the first time when I was 25. And I started practicing uh, Shivananda yoga. And that opened my eyes up to other aspects of spirituality. So I was no longer on that single path of Baptist. I started opening my mind up to different avenues. And that's also when I was um, in, introduced to spiritual teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra, um, and, you know, those very well-known teachers, uh, and also, of course, uh, Shivananda and other yogis. Um, so I grew from there in that practice. I can't say that I was, I did great from there, because I also suffered from uh, alcoholism. Um, in 20, When I was 27, I became sober, and uh, that spurred me into wanting to help other people. And when I was 29, I started my graduate degree um, for, because uh, I had, during all that time, I had eventually, I had attended college and everything. Um, so I started my graduate degree in um, clinical social work, which is psychotherapy. And, and I was 29 at that time. And I'd already been working in the field of substance abuse for one or two years at, and was already um, doing substance use counseling. Um, well, I must've been, think I think 28 ish around then because I got sober when I was 27. So um, and so when I was 29, I started that graduate degree and um, took me a while to finish it because I was still kind of wandering the world, <laughs> doing different things and kind of exploring different uh, parts of myself. Um, so I didn't finish that until um, I, I can't recall. I, I, I think I was 30. 31 or 32 when I finished that. And so obviously that threw me into the mental side of things and mental health. And I started practicing in the world of mental health, um, especially with children and families. And uh, I was on my own journey of healing as well, you know, with my own, my own struggles. During all of those years, I had been diagnosed with uh, bipolar and uh, OCD. And, um, and I say that, and I want to say these things very out front and in the open, because I can, I will not, um, I will not take part in stigma. Um, because, you know, for me, uh, those aspects of myself are very important to acknowledge and also use in my life to support other people uh, who might be dealing with similar things. So um, <clears throat> when I got into that world of, um, of mental health and working with families and children, um, and then uh, kind of progressed into adults, um, I just noticed how 
little the body and the spirit were addressed. I mean, it just wasn't done. I remember when I was in grad school, I was one of the few students that really made an effort to focus on spirit. I um, took a class in spirituality and social work, which was the only class. <laughs> and there was only like seven of us in there. Um, and I interned at a hospice and a pediatric palliative care because I wanted to be part of the death process. I wanted to learn more about how to help people through that. And also to help uh, families facing such, you know, horrible, tragic situations with their children, um, but exploring spirituality within all of that tragedy. Um, and so I, since I had been on that journey, even in grad school, and I noticed how much it was missing, uh, it was just very, very frustrating for me. And I stayed in that world for a long time um, until uh, 2018 when I went through this uh, spiritual awakening. And I knew that I had to branch away from that. I knew I had to end my, my participation in that kind of small space of traditional mental health. And so I branched off into my own, I founded my own um, practice called Whole Health Collaborative, um, which is going wonderfully right now and we're expanding a lot. Um, and in that practice, I partnered with two other clinicians. Um, and so we've been really focusing on growing Whole Health Collaborative and that is a holistic practice. So the collaborative is a group of sole proprietors that um, we all work together to uplift and empower one another. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but, um, and a little bit more about how we're expanding. So I founded Whole Health Collaborative. And during that time, I um, was really exploring also um, different, you know, different types of people, different, where did I want to focus myself? How did I want to um, really, really embrace the mind, body, spirit in my practice? And as I've gone through that, I've discovered that I really love, love, love working with women. Um, I love working with mothers because I am a mother during all that. <laughs> Obviously, I can only say so much, but during all of that, I had my my child um, who was a big, big part of my spiritual awakening. Uh, and I also have two beautiful stepchildren who have been a huge part of my, my journey. Um, so I love working with mothers. Uh, and also because when I, when I had my daughter, um, in 2016, I had terrible, terrible postpartum OCD um, and postpartum anxiety, depression, you name it. I was struggling so much and it took me like almost two years to get through that. Um, and so I have such a passion of working with moms because I know how difficult um, it can be. And then now as I branch off into entrepreneurship, because the other part I wanted to say was that I love working with moms and women who are entrepreneurs because I get it <laughs> because that is me. So I, I love that. Um, and I love helping women um, em embody mind, body, spirit within their work, how to achieve uh, higher levels of themselves within their work while um, really honoring all aspects of the self and how that can perpetuate ourselves into um, our dreams, into what it is that we desire to achieve the most. If we honor all parts of ourselves, um, we can really accomplish so much and we can do that with love and compassion. And then beyond that, um, we can affect the world and uh, humanity in a very beautiful way. 
um, if we are embodying all of ourselves, honoring, honoring all of ourselves within our work, um, we affect, you know, all of our employees, we infect all of our, affect, excuse me, <laughs> all of our, um, you know, all of the people that we work with, all, everyone, you know, all of our clients, we're, we're affecting everyone around us if we are embodying that within our work. And so that's another larger part of what I do is just spreading love and light through, um, through myself and, and, allow, and allowing my clients to see themselves as love and light. Um, and they can experience extraordinary joy um, in their lives and what they do. So um, with Whole Health Collaborative, it is expanding now into um, Reiki. We've just taken on two Reiki masters uh, and we are going to be expanding into yoga and we're talking to a couple yoga instructors. Um, we're also going to be expanding into um, medication management, with I, which I do believe in um, as, um, as a last resort, absolutely, um, because um, it can be life-saving. And uh, also a we're, we're exploring a nutritionist. Um, and so eventually Whole Health Collaborative will really embody all aspects of the self. Um, so that people can come here and, you know, they can have therapy and then they can, you know, book a appointment with a, a massage therapist or a Reiki master, um, or they can see the nutritionist, you know, take a yoga class, <laughs> right? So that they can have everything they need under those same roof. Um, and that also really works really well with trauma, because if you have a really, really deep trauma, it can be a lot, lot easier to just go to the same place all the time. Um, rather than having to venture out into different places, because that can cause a lot of fear and anxiety. Uh, do I feel safe in this environment? So um, having everything in the same environment really helps people um, with trauma to, to access everything. Um, and so that, and my deeper hope for Whole Health Collaborative, my deeper goal is to empower our providers um, to to honor themselves and to ask for reciprocity for themselves, um, whether that be financial reciprocity, where they, they're asking for um, the fees that they deserve in their practice, or whether that be, um, you know, having the number of clients which is right for them, not taking on too many clients, um, and feeling like they are um, honoring their own mind, body, and spirit, um, and not only so focusing on our clients, because in the world of mental health, um, we can solely focus on our clients and, and the, the therapist is like pushed to the side and like, oh, just suck it up and see eight, nine, 10 clients a day. And that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so uh, I really encourage my, the providers that join us to honor themselves um, and to step into their power. Um, so Whole Health has a huge purpose <laughs> in the world. Um, and I'm just so excited to see it growing. So that is the long and short synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, it. It was dynamic and colorful. And I feel like in a very short amount of time, you've given people a pretty detailed, um, and enlightened vision of your journey. And I think that that's fantastic. It's often hard to do that. Cause it's like, where do I focus and where do I start and where do I end? And, uh, so I, I love it. I think it, there's so much, there's so much in there that we could dive into deeper and we will as much as we can in the time yeah. that we have, but I love it. And I appreciate you showing all that. What, what comes to mind first for me, I think throughout your journey is 
the two primary places where you've seen the difference in the more traditional teaching patterns of religion versus spirituality, but then also the traditional teaching patterns of, of, you know, the psychotherapy academia world versus how that's approached from a spiritual perspective. And so I'm wondering what your insights were on that in, in maybe both spaces or combined of of how they, those two worlds might be similar and how they might be vastly different, obviously different enough for you to, to leave a more traditional setting and go into the holistic approach that you've taken. So how, how did you kind of see that and navigate it? Uh, well, I think it was, it was complicated. Um, I think with, when you're talking about religion, um, cause I don't want to say that religion has anything negative, you know, as long as it's, not um, radicalized, but um, for me, I found it difficult to make myself believe every single little thing that had to do with that religion. Like it felt very much like I, I, there was an expectation that I assigned to everything that they, um, that that the group um, felt was necessary or felt like was something that was going to expand my spirit. And just for me personally, that just wasn't a good fit. I needed to be able to have freedom. And I'm not saying they took away my freedom because they absolutely did not. Um, But what I am saying is that I felt like I needed um, more space to explore deeper aspects of like metaphysics and deeper aspects of um, what I, what I perceived to be um, whatever, you know, whatever we conceive the afterlife to be, or how I perceived our life on earth, like I I needed a lot of room and space to be able to explore that through different avenues. So that's why that really didn't fit me personally. Um, And I needed to branch away from that. And um, when I did that, I found, I was, I found that I was really able to, to, expand myself personally and honor all of the different aspects of me that um, I just felt like um, I didn't have enough space to when I was practicing um, like a a certain religion. Um, So I don't practice a certain religion anymore. I I love religions (laughs) and I study them and I'm interested in them. um, And I think that they have a important place in the world um, because they develop extraordinary um community um and they they embrace community um and people can feel so loved and so accepted there and so this there there is an important place in the world for that just for me um i i really need to be able to study all of them and take from all of them and a big part of a big reason for that is what i do um because people come to me from all walks of life and um, i used to work a lot with somali refugees um, so I really, uh, I needed to be able to open my mind to Muslim um, interpretations and how they uh, perceived life and how they, um, their cultural um, ways of doing things that um, were definitely not um, in alignment with Christian way of doing things. So I, um, I needed to open my mind to that in order to be able to work with them because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of asking anybody to believe in something that isn't right, for, that it doesn't fit them. So also because of my work, I needed to branch away from that. I had to branch away from mental health 
in that world of, um, you know, agency work um, and also uh, billing insurance, I needed to move away because uh, it was very focused on uh, the mind, solely the mind. And I have to say that that is starting to change a little bit. It is. Um, people are starting to open their eyes um, within the mental health community towards the other things that like other practices that will engage all aspects of the self, but it's still very, very limited. Um, and a lot of agencies um, really, really focus on the ego and the mind and that's it. Um, another thing I, that I find very difficult with the traditional mental health um, like with, with traditional mental health services is uh, that there's very little respect for the practitioner. Um, it's, there's so much expectation to um, see, you know, a certain number of clients per day there, you know, they have a matrix in which you have to meet and you have to see a certain number of clients a day in order to make your matrix so that you can earn your income. <laughs> and, uh, and you're so low, like the pay is so low. Um, and so you're working like and seeing eight, nine clients a day and to earn a very minimal income. Um, and at the same time, how can you honor your client in 45 minutes and then see another client right after that? I don't like that was something that I really struggled with that I felt like I could not honor my client completely because I was seeing one client and that that person could have extraordinary trauma and an incredibly complicated story. And here I am seeing that client, honoring them, giving them space, sacred space to, you know, safe space. And then, okay, let's wrap up. And now let me bring the other client right into that space. And let's talk about what you're going through, which is also extremely complicated and possibly traumatic. Uh, that it was, it just did not resonate with me whatsoever. Um, and I found it extremely disempowering. Um, I just couldn't participate in that anymore because I saw how damaging it was to my spirit um, and also to my mental health, having to hold all of, you know, eight, nine stories of my clients a day and having no time to, to honor myself and to relieve myself of all of that difficult energy and all of that heavy energy. Uh, so there was really, after a spiritual awakening, there was no way for me to stay within that. And I didn't even feel like it was a choice. I felt like I had to leave it. Um, because I couldn't empower other people within that environment. I couldn't empower my clients and I couldn't, I couldn't um, support my clients to empower themselves, I should say. And I could not empower myself. Um, and I felt like I couldn't help other practitioners, practitioners find their own empowerment. I was extraordinarily disempowering. Um, so I had to leave that. And that is one huge reason that I focus on the providers that join us um, to really em embrace themselves and honor their needs. And that only benefits our clients, that only benefits the people that walk through the door and need our support. And we are there to honor them. We have our full selves available. We are not exhausted and worn out from a day of holding so much heavy energy we are there, we're, we're open, we're present, um, you know, and we have time in between people to, to honor that and cleanse our, our energy and be, and be there. So 
those are the reasons that um, I really needed to move on from those two aspects and also to, um, but also, you know, the, uh, I do, one thing I do want to say is, you know, in the mental health world, the agency work, um, they do help people. I mean, people should seek that out if they can't, you know, if there's nothing else available, seek that out because there are really beautiful people that work in that environment. Um, and it's a systemic problem. It's not the therapist's fault. So, um, so if that's needed, I do feel like people should seek that out um, because they can find support there. I love the uh, rundown of that, that you were able to provide and being um, really just you know, respectful to those who are still in both, both situations. And I, I honestly completely agree with your assessment on both. Um, we've been on different journeys, but similarities enough and parallels enough that I completely understand where you're coming from with the feeling of expansion when moving outside of a organized and traditional religion, although still respecting those who, um, Mm -hmm. ascribe to that. And then also, you know, it kind of gave me chills talking about about your professional space, because although that's not a space that I'm super well-versed and it's not, it's not necessarily my professional space, there's a lot of parallels to the way that the, the system and the culture doesn't support the clinicians within the healthcare system mm-hmm. and how, you know, being able to give back to yourself and give from a place of abundance rather than depletion is such a completely different approach. And one that I don't even think the traditional system understands enough to be able to implement because it's been so status quo for so many years. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I love that you are, are working on that. You changed it not only for yourself, but now that you're realizing the impact it can have on not only your own life, but the people that you're serving, trying to do that on a larger scale with, with your Mm -hmm. collaborative is is super powerful. So I really appreciate that. And I love also wanted to point out one thing that you said, which was that after your spiritual awakening, it wasn't a choice. You just knew it just had to happen. And I think that that's such an important point for people who are kind of seeking, well, how do I know, you know, if it's an inner knowing or an intuition versus versus my mind, you know, how do I know if it's my heart or if it's my mind or whatever. And, um, and I often say that the times when I've known what I've needed to do from a place of deep wisdom are the times when I didn't, I didn't need any or seek any external input at all. I didn't need anybody to tell me if that sounded like a good idea or if that was, you know, what their opinion was on my decision uh, from a professional standpoint or personal standpoint, it was just like, it had to happen. And it was, it it's like, it already happened. I just needed to put the steps forward to finalize it. And mm-hmm. it's that much level of certainty. And so I wanted to emphasize that in case anybody missed it, because I know sometimes you can, you can miss, you know, if you're multitasking during a podcast, you can miss things. And I wanted to make sure that got emphasized. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. All right. So what I would love to do is, um, talk a little bit about, you've got a lot of really great journal prompts, even though they aren't necessarily intentionally journal prompts, but you've got a lot of really great content and copy on your website. And so I would highly recommend people go to that. I will of course link it in the comment, in the, um, excuse me, in the, in the notes section, um, of the podcast episode, but you, you do say on your website, the mind, body, and spirit are not connected. They are one. We simply cannot address one aspect of the triad and expect to fully heal. And so I read that a few times and I was thinking, this is a really interesting take. And, um, you know, there's, there's subtle nuances here that are a little bit different than I think mainstream would say. And so I was wondering if you could expand on the concept of 
oneness versus connectedness. Cause I'm thinking, okay, body, mind, and spirit are not connected. They are one. And, and so it's, it was an interesting shift for me thinking about what's the difference between oneness versus connectedness. And how does that play a role into how we see body, mind, and spirit from a wellness standpoint? So just wondering your thoughts on that. Sure. Sure. So when I, um, I feel like it's a hard concept to grasp because it is, it's very vague, right? Well, what is connectedness and what is oneness? I see connectedness as there's an ability to separate it, right? If it's connected, then you can separate um, because you could pull it apart and it then, oh, okay, I can just put that part aside because I don't feel like being connected today. <laughs> Sometimes people say, I feel disconnected from my body and you can feel that way, but you never are. So connectedness, ha- like it, it embodies the idea that you can disconnect. Um, and with oneness, if you are one, there is no disconnection. There's, that's an impossibility because you are one. So with, um, with the, a lot of times you'll hear people say like the mind body connection, and I get what they're saying, but I think it's funny when we think of the mind or the brain as separate than, because I'm like, well, do you think of the liver <laughs> separate than? The, the brain is an organ in the body. Like, why would, why would anybody think that the brain is a separate thing from the body when it is exactly like an, it is an organ? It just has so much, it's just much more complicated, of course, but it's not separate. It's part of the whole. Um, so I, with that mind-body connection, yes, of course they affect one another it's not a connection. They're one because the body, the brain is inside the body and you can't take it out. And there is no ability to disconnect that. It is always affecting the body. Any thought, any emotion that goes through the mind affects the body. And actually emotions are not in the mind. Emotions are in the body. The thoughts produce the emotions that you experience in the body. So we think that an emotion is experienced in the mind, but if you ask yourself, when you feel a really intense emotion, where do you feel it? It's almost always in the gut. And, you know, there'll be other ones, of course, that, um, that you might experience in your legs, you know, you might experience in your arms, you know, people say that, you know, they, if they have a very intense experience that they feel like all the blood left their the it's a it's a body experience and it doesn't solely have to do with the mind and if we incorporate the spirit in all of that um the spirit is the functioning of our energy you know our energy system so if we think of spirit simply as energy which you it depends on the person you can or you know you might not see it that way but spirit has to have some kind of substance it it has to and so it has to have some type of energy within our body um, and our body cannot function without energy. It, it can't, it's going to die without energy. So there is no way to separate. It can't be connected because if you can connect something, you can disconnect it. The body has to have energy in order to function or to move in order to breathe in order to think. So why even it, there is no disconnection there. There's no ability. I feel, if, when people say I feel disconnected from, you know, God or my spirit, 
I get that they feel that way because the mind is coming up with all kinds of thoughts that make it hard to experience God or spirit or sense of connectedness to, to whatever is higher to that individual. But it never is disconnected because you wouldn't have no energy. The energy would leave your body and you would die. So to there is just no ability to disconnect all of these. Um, and if we consider that, if we look at that, at the reality of that, how can we just address the body? And, you know, let's say there's an ailment with the body. How can we just focus on that and go to the, you know, go to our primary care or go to the hospital and just focus on that and not acknowledge that the mind is also there being affected because the mind is, is constantly interacting with the body. And if the body is sick, if the body is injured, the mind is going to experience that because it is part of the body. And then if energy is being lost through that ailment, you know, if, if energy is leaving the body because of that or is diminished because of that, well, that's spirit. So our spiritual experience, our ability to experience and feel that connection with spirit is going to be diminished because we're, our energy is being depleted. But it is never not there. It is always interacting one with the other. Um, and they're, they're just one big thing. <laughs> so I try to convey that as best I can to, to people so that they understand that they can't, and the reason that I really try to get people to understand this is that when people come to therapy, they think they can come to therapy and not all people, of course, just some people, they think that they come to therapy to do talk therapy and then they leave and they, they feel like that, that was the work that they, they came there and they did, they talked it out and they left. And then very often you won't see results. You, they won't see results. And I won't, you know, a lot of times then someone will say, well, the therapy didn't work. But the problem is, is that the two other aspects of the self, which are one with the mind, weighed down the mind's progress because they were not addressed. They, the mind cannot excel without the two other parts of it. It'll be weighed down. It'll be pulled down and it will not be able to heal. So if we then, however, if someone comes in and, asks and, and uses talk therapy, we will then be able you know, they, well, which I should say is they come in and they use talk therapy and they leave and they, then they engage with the body and they engage with the spirit that uplifts the progress that they've made with the mind so that the mind can fully heal. But otherwise it's, it's not going to happen. And I want people to, to see that so that they can fully heal because it's possible. It's possible to completely heal. Um, is, you know, you're getting all the support you need from external resources, yes, but then you must go into your own life and uplift all aspects of the self so that you can have entire full body, mind, spirit, healing. That was really beautiful. I, I wasn't, I wasn't really sure which direction you were going to go with that, but I think it is so important. And I love that your background allows you to talk about it from a very tangible, practical perspective of, why 
therapy sometimes feels like you mentioned, feels like it's not working. And it's, and it's, and it's really interesting to me because saying that the body, mind, and spirit are not connect are, are connected instead of one implies that they can also be disconnected, which I guess is what talk therapy feels like to people is it, it really are where we're disconnecting the mind. And now we're just focusing on that. And because that's not part of our true essence, because disconnection is not the way it is, it mm-hmm. feels off and it feels unsuccessful and it feels like it's not working. So I think that's really important. I'm really glad that you brought that up and um, dove a little bit deeper into that concept before we wrap up. What I would love to know is because this is such a different, but to me, much more effective and true approach to helping people from a spiritual standpoint. Um, what does it look like? What does it look like to work with you? Because I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture for somebody listening who maybe has only experienced traditional psychotherapy or therapy or whatever the traditional system, what it might look like, how it might be different in a, like a very practical, you know, what does it look like to come in and and talk to you or do a telehealth visit with you and how have the transformations been able to be different based on your approach? Sure. So I have two practices. I have one where I'm a mind, body, spirit mentor for, um, entrepreneurial, um, or highly executive uh, women. And in that practice, uh, what I do is I help women um, to access all aspects of that self, right? The mind, body, spirit, and put all of that towards whatever their goal is, their dream is, um, that they might feel like they're, they just aren't able to get to yet, or they feel like there's something there that is hindering them from being able to actualize that. And we can go deeper into the self beyond just coaching, beyond just mentoring. We can go deeper into the self and dismantle you know, any underlying beliefs or any underlying traumas that might be holding the self back in order to dive into that concrete um, current goal that they are having. Um, they that they have so it's it's a it's goal oriented but at the same time it is exploring the deeper aspects of the self in order to access those um those achievements that you're looking for and also in order to really experience joy um gratitude appreciation happiness in the work that um, is being done by these women and in order to expand joy and love and light into the world and into the people that they also interact with. So that's one of my practices. Um, well, we, we do all different kinds of things in that. Um, I'm very accessible to those women. Like I, I, we, we can text every day. We have a couple of sessions a week. We, um, I use uh, homework assignments that might vary depending on the person. We can use yoga in order to ask to, to access these deeper parts of the selves because I am a yoga instructor. Um, and we can use psychotherapy. We can use spiritual insight. Um, and I'm also an intuitive. So I can use that part of myself to help a woman kind of help a woman uh really get a deeper and deeper insight into the self and then to release all of these things that might be holding her back. My other practice is as uh, yoga psychotherapy and that is where someone um, sees me either uh, via telehealth or in my office, you know, once a week or depending on what their needs are. Some people I only see once a month. 
Uh, and that we do use traditional talk therapy. However, I also uh, incorporate energy work in that. Um, it's, I don't do Reiki, but we do chakra balancing um, and a number of different uh, energy healing methods to, to help uh, heal whatever is causing that person to, to suffer. Um, it's just another method. Um, and also we do yoga. So sometimes if a client comes into my office, um, we can go to the yoga studio we have here and we do very, very minimal yoga. Usually it's just a posture uh, or two postures that can access the, the body and open up parts of the body or the, the chakras uh, in order to release whatever might be uh, holding them whatever might be holding them back, whatever might be um, be kept within the body in certain aspects. And we can figure all of that out in session. We, we go through all of that. We figure that, we figure out, okay, where is what being held, where in the body, what chakra. Um, and we then go and can explore that in yoga if the person is open to that. It's never, you know, it, it's never assumed that someone would want that. And I do see extraordinary results. Um, people oftentimes when they go to psychotherapy, um, they uh, go for years and years. I often only work with someone for three to six months. And during that time, they, it's, it's an amazing process. And I, I love seeing them um, expand and grow into themselves. And then I teach them because I want them to go on and never have to come back and see me again if they don't need to, like, cause I work myself out of a job. Uh, I teach people how to, to continue this process uh, at home and far beyond our time together so that they can maintain. But I'm always here and I'm always open to see my clients again. And I, cause I love seeing them again. I always, I love the clients that I meet with. I, I enjoy them so much. Um, and uh, I love being able to be present and part of their journey. And the same with my mentorship. You know, I see such beautiful results from these women and extraordinary ability to dive into what it is that they desire um, in a holistic, honoring, compassionate way that also um, embodies love and light for those people around them. Um, and I see, you know, women really become joyful and able to embrace themselves and, you know, really um, love all aspects of themselves while they are stepping forward into you know higher levels of their career um and and so again this it's just an extraordinary process and i i absolutely am so honored to be a part of it i love it it's beautiful um it's it's beautiful how you've been able to tie in what you feel is effective without renouncing or, you know, discrediting what you've learned from the more traditional academia type of a setting, but incorporating that into what, you know, is also effective from a spiritual place. So I really love it. As we wrap up, I would love for people to know where they can find you. So I will include all the links of course, in the show notes, but you could um, speak it out for those who don't have time to go back to that. So where can they find you? So the website is, is, um, wholehealthcollab.com. So it has two L's. Um, C-O-L-L-A-B, uh, wholehealthcollab.com. And you can find um, all of Whole Health Collaborative there and also my website there under Staradion. Um, and I am located in Halifax, Massachusetts. Uh, so anybody that is in, in this area that 
uh, can make it to my office, <laughs> it's welcome to come see me. Um, you just have to shoot me a message. My email is available on my um, my website. You can just go right down. There's a if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of my page, there is um, a form there to fill out uh, that you can easily connect with me. And, and you can also find me on Psychology Today. Uh, I am, I, you can find my, my, my psychotherapy practice on there. On my website, you will find more of my mentorship practice. Um, however, if someone is interested in psychotherapy, they are also welcome to call me or to, I should say, um, email me. Uh, so that is really how you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. Do you have options for people who are not in the area? So are either yeah. of the two options? So both are available virtually? Both are available virtually. Um, there are some limitations with virtual when it comes to psychotherapy, because I have to make sure a person um, is in a place where they can, um, where they're not in a crisis situation within themselves internally. Um they have to be in a place where they feel like they are safe. So that is the only um, limitation for virtual. If someone comes to me physically, uh, that is something that we can address together in session. So that's the only limitation with psychotherapy virtually. Um, but mentorship uh, is available um, virtually and also in person. And if it was in person, we would combine virtual with in person. It would be both. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad that we've connected, that we've met and that I know more about the important work that you do. I've really appreciated your uh, just true honesty with your journey and with the parts that have pivoted and with honoring the previous parts and, um, and, yeah. and really all of it to, to benefit the people that you're, you're working with and helping, but also to honor the fact that, uh, we need to always self-care and pour back into ourselves so we can pour into others. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I loved being here, Claudia. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your time, your journey, your insights into a more expansive approach to life in general, but specifically to health and wellness as well. I really appreciated this conversation and will definitely take a lot of these insights with me. I hope you all will as well, and I hope you all found this valuable. If you did, I would so appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave an honest review. I really, really, really appreciate and read every single one. Also, if you would like to work with me or know more about the work that I do, my website is peaceadvocacygroup.com linked in the show notes. So I know I don't always leave much information here about me. So I want to start doing that. So you know how to reach me. You can also leave me a voicemail at speakpipe.com forward slash minding wellness. It's super easy and fun. And if you want to send me a message, but don't want to type it out and would rather speak, I would love to hear your voice. You can do so by that speakpipe.com slash minding wellness. I look forward to seeing you all here again next time.